Good morning. It's great to be with all of you virtually online uh, this morning. Uh, my name is Joey Wang. As Pastor Josh pr probably already mentioned, uh, I was formerly the English pastor at Chinese for Christ Church of San Jose. I'm in between ministries right now, enjoying the time with my family, especially with my boys, uh, Dominic and Isaac, ages 12 and 10, 7th grade and 4th grade, doing school online. So my my part-time job is IT support for them each day. Every day we run into some sort of technical difficulty, whether one of their computers Wi-Fi isn't working, the printer's not working, something's going on. So uh, again, it's great to be with all of you. I wish I could be with you physically uh, to be able to see all your faces and to get to know some of you. Uh, some of you I've met before at last year's Winter Youth Retreat. Uh, I believe uh, the Winter Youth Retreat is going on currently uh, online. So please do keep the students and all those that are helping out in prayer as well. I understand that you guys are going through a uh, sermon series through the book of Hebrews, uh, but this morning we're going to be taking a break from that. I'll be preaching from uh, the book of James, which is found in the New Testament, actually right next to Hebrews. And we'll be looking at James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. But before we dive into God's word, I do want to ask you a question just to kind of get us thinking along the lines of this passage. And this question is this, is what is one thing, uh, it could be huge, it could be just small, what's one thing that you planned where everything kind of worked out? You know, you planned this and all the steps happened like you planned. Or conversely, think about something where you had planned for this, X or Y, but nothing turned out the way that you had planned. Right? Think about either a situation or a time where you planned something and it came to happen, it came to fruition, and a time where you planned for something or you planned something and nothing went well. Right? And if you're like me, all of us, we've all had our successes when it comes to planning something, and we've all had our failures as well, whether big or small. Most of you may or may not know, but I am a planner with the Myers-Briggs. Uh, inventory. I'm a high J, not just because my name is Joey, but I like to plan things. I remember in college, my freshman year, first semester, uh, I planned out all four years of classes. So every semester, I planned out what classes uh, I was going to take. Uh, and, and likewise, when I was in seminary, I remember <laughs> I had one seminary classmate friend who basically said at the end of near the end of every semester would say, "So Joey, what classes are we taking?" And I would say, what, what do you mean we? He's like, well, I'm just signing up for whatever classes you're signed up for. And so, uh, you know, so I like to plan. And for me, there's a certain joy to be able to plan something and to be able to see everything work out well. You know, uh, whether it's a retreat, whether it's a vacation, uh, whether it's a, a wedding, um, you know, whatever it is. And this morning, as we look into James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, uh, I believe that this morning's passage is especially relevant to all of you as well as for me. And we need to hear and consider uh, God's word this morning. And the reality is we all make plans and we have plans, whether we've shared them with others or they're in our minds or deep in the recesses of our hearts. We all have plans, big ones, about our future, our careers, and maybe even small ones like what we're going to do this coming week. And during this season, even especially as we hear about kind of things slowly kind of opening up, it feels like it's two steps forward, one step back. 
But yet, as things are starting to change a bit with COVID, whether it's even schools starting to open up, uh, you know, perhaps you, perhaps, you know, us, all of us, we're starting to, to think about things like, oh, what might our summers look like? And what might next school year look like, or even the year 2022 look like? And as we're going to see in this morning's passage, this passage is relevant and applicable to all of us. Uh, whether you're married with children, whether you're an empty nester, uh, whether you're single, uh, whether you're dating, whether you're in college or graduate school, whether you're in high school or middle school. And so if you have your Bibles, and I do want to encourage you, uh, please uh, turn with me in your Bibles uh, to James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. And I'm going to read this aloud for us. James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17 uh, with the ESV translation. The Word of God reads in James chapter 4, verse 13. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him or her, it is sin. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. God, we thank you for your grace to us. God, I thank you for this opportunity that I have, uh, even through the uh, through technology and the power of the internet, Lord, that I might be able to share your word uh, with these brothers and sisters, uh, some whom I've met, some whom I've never met, God, but yet, Lord, you know them and you love them. And Father, I pray, Lord, as we read your word, as we hear your word, as we reflect on your word, and as we apply your word, would your Holy Spirit be at work in us and through us? Father, I pray for myself, Lord, would my words not get in the way of your words, Lord, and that my words would ultimately honor you, God. And so, Father, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us now? Lord, grant us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, give us softened hearts to ponder and weigh the truth and the depth and the power of your word. And we pray, as always, in Christ's name, amen. This morning's passage, as we just read, is, is a really short passage. And, and, you know, honestly, it's pretty straightforward. Right? Basically, it's about planning, that either in life we can plan with God or we can plan without God. But I want us to look at this passage a little bit more carefully. And what we see here in verses 13 to 14 and in verse 16, we see kind of this, this question that maybe even as you're reading this or hearing me read this passage out loud, this question of what, what's wrong with planning? Right? What's wrong with making plans? And some have incorrectly said that this verse, this passage, you know, is against planning. That as Christians, we should not make any plans at all. We should just leave everything up to God and say, God, I trust you. Whatever happens, happens. I don't need to plan. I shouldn't plan. That planning is a sin. All right. Others have incorrectly interpreted this passage to say that, uh, you know, doing business is wrong, is sin. 
or making money is sin, right? Because here in these verses, it talks about making a profit, right? Uh, others have, have kind of twisted this passage and say that this passage is against capitalism, right? That this, it's against making money. It's against the system of capitalism, right? But really what's going on here as we look at this passage is that James, as he was writing uh, to the believers back then, as he writes to us this morning, is really not addressing planning or the issue of planning per se, but rather this presumption, this idea of presumption. And that's really our first point this morning, this idea of presumption. And what does it mean to presume, to presume, right? Uh, Webster or American Heritage Dictionary defines presume as to suppose to be true without proof. To suppose to be true without proof. All right. Put another way, when we say someone is presumptuous, uh, what we are saying is, you know, they're failing to observe the limits of what is permitted or appropriate, right? We might say someone acts very presumptuously. Let me give you an example. Let's say uh, COVID's over and I invite you to my house, right? And I invite you in and I say, as you come in through the front door, make yourself at home. And so you do. And so you come into my house and you take off your shoes because kind of in my culture, right? We don't wear shoes around the house. And so you take off your shoes and you sit on the couch, and then as you sit on the couch, you, you, you take off your socks and you leave it on my coffee table. And then you say to me, you say, uh, Joey, you know, I feel a little bit tired. And so you go upstairs and you uh, lie in my bed and you intend to take a nap on my bed, in my bed. But before you do, you know, as part of your routine, you, you, you take a shower. And so you go use my shower and use my towel. And then after you get out of the shower and dry yourself off, you start brushing your teeth with my toothbrush and use my clothes, right? And I think if, you know, if that were to really happen or if you heard about this story, you'd say, wow, I can't believe how presumptuous this person was, right? That, you know, you just kind of assumed all these things, right? You presumed all these things. When I said, oh, make yourself at home, I didn't mean it literally, right? And when we think about this in life, we oftentimes, you and I, we all do this. We all presume a lot of things. We all presume a lot of things. We presume we're going to live until 80 or 90, perhaps. We presume we'll have kids someday. We presume we'll get married. We presume maybe we'll be able to have our own place or own a home someday. We presume we'll have a job, especially one that we'll enjoy. We presume we'll go to college. We presume maybe we'll have money somehow to pay for college. Right? We presume our parents will live to a certain age. We presume our children will live to a certain age. We presume our children will get married or have a job and have kids, etc. Right? And I think in our work and in our lives, a lot of times we do have a lot of control of, of a lot of things. Uh, at my previous church, we had a lot of engineers and, and designers and teachers. And in their line of work, Right? Uh, they have to presume a lot of things and they're able to control a lot of things, the design they're working on, the curriculum you know, for their classes or students. And even as students, uh, you know, there are certain things that we're able to control. You know, if we work hard and we study hard, we will hopefully get good grades. Right? But this morning's passage in verse 14 in particular, it addresses this issue of presumption. Right? And what is wrong with this 
idea or this attitude of presumption is really this, and this is what we see in verse 14. It is this assumption or presumption that I am in control of my life, that you are in control of your life. Right? Look at verse 14 again. It says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Right? This idea of presumption, what was going on in verse 13, come now you who say today or tomorrow we're going to do this and this and this, right? The issue was that they were presuming certain things. They had this attitude that I am in control of my life, right? And I think we all do this, right? We presume a lot of things, right? We presume we'll have time to do X, Y, and Z, right? We have a presumption about our own lives, right? We have a presumption about certain resources that we may have access to or even results. I can control what's going to happen. But one of the things that we see throughout Scripture uh, is it challenges our presumptions and it reminds us that we are not in control. Proverbs 21, 27 verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Hosea 13, 3 reads, Therefore they shall be like the morning mist or like the dew that goes early away, like the chaff that swirls from the threshing floor, or like a smoke from a window, right? This idea that our lives are but a mist, like a cloud. Psalm 39 verses five through six says, Behold, you have made my days a few hand breaths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. This is you addressing God. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing there in turmoil, man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. And these verses throughout Scripture, as well as this passage in James, reminds us of our temporary nature, of how little control we actually have. And I don't need to tell you this. This isn't new news. All of you have lived long enough to experience this idea that uh, we are not always in control, right? And especially since last March, with the COVID pandemic hitting, we've all experienced it. We had different vacation plans canceled. Right. Uh, for those of you that are in, you know, doing sports or athletics, you're unable to play basketball anymore or on your school teams or anything like that. I coach Little League, and I remember last year, uh, right around when COVID hit, we played one game, and then the rest of our season was canceled. And I remember the weeks prior to that first game being played and being canceled, all these plans that I was making with our coaches and players and all these things. And I remember I was supposed to conduct a wedding at the end of March of last year, and that wedding was canceled, right? Instead of getting married in front of hundreds of family and friends and coworkers and church people, the couple ended up getting married several months later in June with just their immediate family, keeping distance and even wearing masks, right? That we're, this idea that we're not in control, all the things that we presume, I remember on a more personal note, um, many years ago, I remember how excited my wife and I were uh, when we were fortunate to be able to purchase a home within walking distance from my church at the time. I remember when we bought the place and we were moving in, we would kind of talk and dream about how, uh, just picturing you know, our kids who were three and one at the time, uh, how they would go to high school and you know, they would have their friends over and how one day, you know, we would be empty nesters in this home with our kids, hopefully grown up and out of the house. Uh, but little do we know, several years later, this was around 2014, 2015, uh, my wife's mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And she passed away 
10 days from the day that she received her diagnosis that she had pancreatic cancer. And little did we know that we would move out of that house uh, very shortly after, uh, to be closer to my father-in-law, uh, to be a support to him. And as my wife and I look back at that season of life, uh, we realized we had a lot of presumptions about life, about that house, and about our future. And really underneath those presumptions was really that we had deceived ourselves, we had deluded ourselves, we had bought into the lie that we were in control. That we were in control. And I think what this passage is addressing, again, is this presumption that we have. And ultimately what we see in verse 16, it says, As it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. And what it's saying here is that presumption, uh, in many ways, is a form of the sin of arrogance or pride. Let me repeat that again. Presumption can be a form of the sin of arrogance or pride. Like, how does James go from planning to boasting, right? Again, it isn't evil or sin to make plans, right? It's not against the will of God to make plans, right? But really, underneath what these people were saying in verse 13, you know, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go do in this and this and this, underlying what they were saying was this heart attitude of arrogance or pride or sin of presumption right? That I become the center and we push God to the edge. That I am the sun and God revolves around me. When in reality, God is the sun, we revolve around him, right? And I want us just to pause this morning as you are reading this passage, as you're hearing uh, the word of God, just to take a moment and to acknowledge maybe what are some of the ways where it can be easy for you be presumptuous or to presume certain things in life? Do you oftentimes either say aloud or think in your head, when I dot 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 versus if I dot dot dot? Right? And what specific areas of your life might you presume or be presumptuous about? Whether it's your career, education, family, life, your health, your finances, your friendships. I want you just to think about why do you presume in these areas? Right, why do you presume in these areas? There's a old Yiddish saying, I don't speak Yiddish, so I'm going to probably butcher this translation, okay, or this pronunciation, but it's mantracht und gottlacht. Okay, and basically it's an old Yiddish saying meaning man plans and God laughs. Okay, and this God laughs isn't like he's spiting us, but rather, you know, we made plans and God's kind of looking at it from a bigger perspective and go, okay, right? But it reminds us in this Yiddish saying how presumptuous we as people can be when it comes to our lives, when it comes to our plans, right? And that's really our first point this morning as we see in verses 13, 14, and 16, this addressing this issue of presumption. So then, what are we to do then? Are we not to make any plans at all? Are we just to live one moment at a time and just kind of YOLO our day through, right? Whatever happens, happens. Or are we just supposed to be cynical and just say, well, whatever, 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 
right? No, let's take a look at verse 15. Notice what the Word of God says. It says in verse 15, instead, notice here, instead, so don't do this, don't be presumptuous. Instead, verse 15, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Right? And what this verse here is saying is that we must not presume, but we must remember God's providence when we make plans. That instead of being presumptuous, we should remember God's providence when we make plans. Right? Really, what this picture here is giving us is this idea of like we make our plans and we hold it with an open hand. Right? versus a closed fist. That the plans we make and the plans we have, we hold it with an open hand, knowing that God is in control. Right? When we talk about God's providence, what we're really saying is that God is in control of our lives. In Jeremiah 10, 23, Jeremiah writes, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. So what does it look like to include God or to recognize God in our plans? Right? Typically, when we think about that, it means asking God to bless our plans. Right? Watch over our plans. Help our plans come to fruition. Right? But it's not just that. But even as you and I, we make our plans, that we pray and we ask for God's will, God's plans to be done, not just ours. Many of you are familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Right, where Jesus taught his disciples as he teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. If we're honest, myself included, many of us, typically our prayer is, my kingdom, my will be done. And so what does it look like to include God or to recognize God in our plans? It means remembering right, God is in control. Remembering God is sovereign. Remembering God's providence. It means even remembering that as we make plans, that God's the one that's in charge and we need to come to him in prayer and in humility versus in arrogance and presumption. All right. And what we see here in verse 15 is that the rebuke isn't that they, weren't make, that they were making plans, right? but rather they were neglecting God and being presumptuous that they were in control. Right? Compare verses 13 and 15. Right? Compare verses 13 and 15. Right? They're basically saying the same thing. Except the only difference is in verse 15 it says, If the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. Right? And we see this in the life of the Apostle Paul. Right? The Apostle Paul was a man with a plan. He had great ambitions and goals. Yet in all his plans and hopes and desires, he constantly remembered God's providence, God's sovereignty, that God is in control. You look at Acts chapter 18, verse 21. It says, But on taking leave of them, he, that is the Apostle Paul, said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. And in Romans 1.10, the Apostle Paul writes, Always in my prayer, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at least succeed in coming to you. 1 Corinthians 4.19, But I come to you soon. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. And in 1 Corinthians 16, 7, For I do not want to see you now, just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. Do you see that here? 
that Paul had all these desires, he had all these plans, he wanted to see these disciples and these friends and all these things. But even as he was saying these things, he said, if the Lord wills. Right? He knew that ultimately it was in God's hand, God's control. But it also didn't stop him from making plans. Right? And practically it can help, um, you know, as you're making plans or whatever it is, thinking about things, to just say, Lord willing, or God willing, or if the Lord allows this, right? And it's not just uttering these words. These aren't just kind of magical words where whew, the spell is cast, right? But it, these words are meant to remind us, right? Lord willing, you know, next summer I will go to X, Y, and Z. Or God willing, one day when my child goes off to college, right? And that these aren't just words, but that these words will remind us and hopefully would be reflective of our heart attitude. Right? What we see here is that we must not presume, but remember God's providence when we make plans. And this morning, I want us just to pause and for you to consider in what areas of your life do you need to consider or be reminded of God's sovereignty, that God is in control, that God is in control, not you not me. This is something that I constantly struggle with, something I constantly have to pray against and pray for, right? Whether it involves my children, you know, uh, my oldest is 12 in seventh grade and uh, my middle child is in fourth grade and our youngest, we've got a young one, Lucas, who is one and a half, right? And oftentimes I think a lot about them and I love them so much, right? I think a lot about them in terms of what's going to happen to them you know, when they get older, Lord willing, right? And being a parent is this constant praying and letting go and being reminded that God is ultimately in control, right? What are the different areas in your life, right, where you need to be reminded that God is sovereign, that God is sovereign? Again, this doesn't mean that we don't make plans that we make plans keeping in mind God's providence, God's sovereignty. And this is true even when it comes to the church during this season. This is a challenging time, uh, even you know as churches are allowed to open up, but then not, and all these things. And I know your church leaders and Pastor Josh, you know, they're constantly just facing lots of challenges and figuring out how do we plan out all these things, right? And I know that your church leaders are constantly going to the Lord in prayer, and they need your support and they need your prayers as well would you continue to pray for them and with them right that as a church you would continue to trust in god's providence and god's provision right whether it's hoping to hire another pastor whether it's hoping to raise up new leaders in the church whether it's dealing with different challenges and issues right to be reminded that we can make our plans and we ought to but yet God is in control. God is sovereign. This passage, it, it ends on a weird note. And when you look at verse 17, it's strange. It talks about, you know, this idea of presumption. Then it talks about God's providence. And then verse 17, it concludes in verse 17 with this verse. It says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. And it seems like this er, hit the brakes. Like what's going on here? Right? It seems like an awkward transition or flow from verse 16 to 17. And so what is James talking about here in verse 17? How does verse 13 through 16 flow into it? All right? 
And if we consider this verse and how it ends this section, uh, James inserts this thought here to remind his readers and listeners right, that we can easily listen and hear these important truths, but not act upon them. Right? We can hear these words about, okay, I need to not be presumptuous in my planning. I need to trust God. I need to be reminded of God's sovereignty, right? That we can hear these words. And what I share with you, most of you probably already know this. And we can perhaps even kind of believe these words, but yet ultimately not act upon them, not trust in God's word. We can have faith, but not necessarily work out that faith in our lives. And here's what James is saying. What James is clarifying is an important biblical theological truth, especially when it comes to sin. Notice here he says, fails to do it for him, it is sin. Right? That, And here James is addressing this idea of the sin of commission and the sin of omission. Sins of commission and sins of omission. Right? That sins of commission are the sins where I do something that's bad. Right? I hit someone. Right? I lie. But sins of omission are sins where we ought to do something, but we didn't do it, right? And oftentimes when we think of sin, typically we think of sin as just doing bad things, right? But sin is also not doing the good that you and I ought to do, right? Like just an example, okay? Imagine it's a Saturday. Um, you wake up a little bit later. You know, you've had a long week, so you sleep in a bit uh, to catch up on some rest and... You know, maybe because Friday night you had a late evening of fellowship or youth group. Uh, you wake up, you grab a bowl of cereal, oatmeal, eat your breakfast, right? And like a good Christian, you open up your Bible in the morning and you read your Bible and spend some time praying. The rest of the morning, you know, you're cleaning up your room or, or doing laundry or run, doing some chores, right? And then you grab lunch and then the afternoon you relax a little bit, you know, you, you hop online and you play a little bit of NBA 2K or Call of Duty or whatever game that you like to play. And next thing you know, it's dinner and you eat dinner with your family. And afterwards, you go online and you stream a show or a movie on Netflix or Disney Plus and nothing R-rated, okay? All right? Uh, and, and, and you watch it and you go to sleep. And I think for many of us, if we think about that day, right, if that day were to, you know, go from morning to evening, you'd say, oh, like that was a pretty good day, right? And not only that, but from a maybe... From a moral perspective, we would think, oh, you know, that was a pretty good day. I, 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 I didn't do anything bad, right? You know, like I read my Bible, I prayed, I didn't hit anyone, I didn't get into arguments, I didn't look at anything I shouldn't have looked at, right? Maybe I slept in a little bit too much, maybe I was a little bit lazy, but that's not too bad, right? Maybe I got a little bit upset or frustrated when I was playing NBA 2K, right? Maybe a little bit of impatience there, but it wasn't too bad, right? And from a Kind of looking at that day we think oh that was a pretty good day when it comes to sin or not sinning right but what verse 17 here reminds us this morning is that sin isn't just doing bad things it is also not doing the good we ought to do right and verse 17 what it does is it shakes up everything about our understanding of sin like a snow globe where you know kind of all the little snow particles are down on the ground this verse kind of shakes everything Right. And what we see here is that that Saturday that we went through is, well, yeah, we didn't do a lot of bad things, but there are many good things we ought to have done. Ways that we didn't follow God in the ways that we ought to. Was I grateful throughout that day? Did I love others like I love myself on that Saturday? 
that I care for those in need, that I share the gospel, that I live out the gospel in my life, or my thoughts consumed with God, thoughts of God's goodness and holiness and majesty, right? And what verse 17 does is it drastically changes our understanding of sin, right? That even in my best, most holy, good days, I still fall short. I still sin. And for every good act that I do do, there are many good acts I neglect to do. And for every good thought I do have, there are other good thoughts and intentions I neglect to have. And this is what scripture talks about when it talks about how we are all sinful, total depravity. And the more you realize and the more you reflect on and realize this truth, the more you will begin to see your own sin. But then in return, the more you will grow in understanding God's grace and mercy. And that is why the only cure, the only medicine, the only solution to handle this weight, this burden, this guilt, and the shame of this bad news is the good news of Christ Jesus. That Jesus lived a sinless, perfect life. He not only didn't do bad things, he did the good he ought to have done. He perfectly obeyed and fulfilled God's commands. And on his death on the cross, it served as a payment for your sins and mine. But not only that, when we look at this passage and when we look at Jesus, Jesus' life also reflects uh, this idea of not presuming things, but knowing God's sovereignty and God's providence in his life and in his plans. That Jesus walked in perfect obedience to God's will. That Jesus' life was one of, not my will, but yours be done, O Father. Right? Jesus said, I came to do the will of the Father. That Jesus, in his full glory, never presumed anything, but continued to walk in trust of his Father's will and his Father's plans. And this morning, as we conclude, in what ways is God, the Holy Spirit, reminding you to not presume, but remember God's providence when you make plans? What are the areas in your life where perhaps you have become presumptuous. No one else knows, but you know it in your own mind, in your heart. Or the ways where God is saying, trust in me. Remember that I am sovereign. Remember that I am in control. What are the areas perhaps where you need to, instead of holding on to these plans, these hopes, these desires with a closed fist, God is saying, open up your hands and trust me. How can you as a church continue to encourage one another and remind each other and support one another in this as well? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for your grace in our lives. God, I thank you for your word, God, which is not just truth, Lord, but is so applicable and gets right to the heart of who we are, God. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters uh, watching and listening to this this morning and perhaps even later on at some other point in time. I pray, Father, that everything I said, Lord, uh, would be honoring to you, Lord, and things that were not clear, God, your Holy Spirit would make it clear in their hearts, in their minds, and in their eyes, and in their ears. And I pray, Father, that you would help us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, God, by your grace and mercy, Help us continue uh, to walk uh, the path of righteousness. Help us continue to walk, Lord, uh, in our lives, God, knowing, Lord, that you are sovereign. God, that knowing that you are in control and that whatever plans and hopes and ambitions and dreams we have, Lord, 
that we would continue to make those, Lord, but that we would consider you in all these things, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are not just in control, but you are good and you are Heavenly Father. We thank you so much, Lord. We love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.